Well, good morning. I tell you what, I have not had the easiest week this week. I've had a lot of things going on, and somebody's, somebody's feeling what I'm feeling this morning. Some stuff going on even in my family, and guys, listen, I have just really been looking forward uh, to being here with you, to being a part of this community uh, with you. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to our new sermon series, Better Together, that we're starting today. Just a couple announcements before we get into the Word. Um, there's always a lot of announcements um, here at Four Points because God is always doing a lot of things. Uh, but I'm excited. Today we're starting our college and young adult uh, Bible study life group this evening at 6 o'clock. So you need to come to that if you are 18 to 25. And if you're single, it's probably a good place to meet people too. So... Um, <laughs> And also, um, some of our good friends, a buddy of mine, Lance Martin, who's been pastoring at a church called Potential Church here locally. In two weeks, uh, Lance and his church are going to be coming here to join Four Points Church because they believe that God is working here and uh, God is going to do incredible things. And we're very excited to have Lance and folks from Potential come and be a part of our church. Because you know what? We're called to reach our community. We'll get into it. God is using us and he'll continue to use us in more and more powerful ways. So better together. We just finished a series here at Four Points called You Belong Here. And in that series, we really looked into what it meant to have a sense of belonging and a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we also talked about what what it means to be a part of a church and that God provided the church for us to be able to fulfill in him some of that longing for relationship and community that we have and that the church is probably the best place of all places for us to have those kinds of relationships. And we're just gonna be building upon that into this new series, Better Together, which is actually, we're gonna be studying through the book of Philippians, which is one of my very favorite books in scripture. But as we get into this better together, let's talk a little bit about relationships. Who here thinks relationships are easy? <laughs> I did not see any hands there. Um, you know, sometimes relationships are easier than at other times, but relationships are not easy. And let me tell you why relationships are not easy. Uh, number one, we all have needs. Do you have needs? You do. We have needs, physical needs, emotional needs, relational Needs. In fact, God gave us that need for belonging. God gave us that need for relationship. We all also have expectations. How many of you know that you have an expectation? When you come into a relationship with somebody, you have expectations for what they're going to add or fulfill in your life. But here's the struggle that we have. You and I, because we're human beings, tend to really have a difficult time looking past our needs and our expectations to see the needs and expectations of those around us. We tend to walk into a relationship. We tend to be in a relationship. And more often than not, we're really looking to what satisfies us. And we're not spending much time looking at what other people need. And this is one of the things that makes having relationships very difficult. In fact, most, if not all, of the conflict in your life stems from your lack of empathy. Do you know that hurt people hurt people? Yeah. 
You might be thinking of someone right now. They've hurt me. They've wronged me. I don't like them. Have you ever heard someone say, God wants us to love everyone, but we don't have to like everyone? There's a ring of truth there, but I also have some questions at how well we love people that we decided we don't like. Are we giving ourselves permission to not look past our needs and desires and expectations to look at their needs, desires, and expectations? You might know this. My family and I are looking for a house. Our house just went on the market this week. We have an offer on a house. You know how that goes. There's negotiations going on and stuff like that because we're moving here to be closer and to be more a part um, of our community, which we are excited about. But we made an offer on a house, and, you know, I felt like it was fair, you know. But when they came back with a counter offer, it really didn't move that much. And I was saying to my wife, I said, babe, that's a good offer. Why didn't they just take it, you know? What's wrong with them? <laughs> you know, and Corey had these words of wisdom, as she often does. She goes, Phil, you don't know why they're selling their house. You don't, you don't know how much money they need to make on that house. You don't know what's going on. Now, that doesn't mean I have to pay more for a house than I need to. But it does matter to what, you know, I wonder. I don't know. I have no idea. Before I judge, maybe I should know a little something. Um, I've been to Haiti nine times. Love doing ministry in Haiti. In fact, this may excite you, but not this July, but next July, we're going to be taking a four points team to Haiti to minister in Haiti. And God is going to do great things. We're already praying, and you'll be hearing more about that as we get closer to that time. But every time I go to Haiti with a group of people, people are really excited about two things. One, sharing the gospel. Two, buying souvenirs. How many of you are souvenir buy purchasers? Right? We all do. We get a little memorabilia. You know, sometimes we go to Haiti, and I'm with a college student, and I'm like, do you need that many paintings? I mean, like, where are you going to hang all those things? People are going to come over to your house, and, and they're just going to think, wow, this is like an art gallery. But I always have to tell people on teams, like, look, you got to barter with these guys or ladies that are selling stuff. You know, you're a tourist. They're going to, you know, mark things up. They're really going to try to get as much as they can. But at the same time, you don't want to lowball somebody because this guy's taking this money home to his family. You have to think about that. It's not just about what good, how good of a deal can you get. If you pay $5 for a sword, uh, you've gotten a pretty good deal. Uh, I have one of those swords in my office. That's if you misbehave sometime. Um, if you ever see me run off stage in my office, come back with a sword, you know somebody's acting up. Um, but you know what? Sometimes we look at people as, as commodities. Like we look at the people around us for what they can give us. Right? We like to choose friends who are influential, uh, wealthy. Uh, maybe it's going to get us more business if we know them. Sometimes we go to church for that reason. And sometimes we tend to avoid people that we don't feel like are going to raise our social status if we hang out with them. Um, we, we, tend, we tend to be tempted to just view people as a commodity. What can this person give me? What can this person provide for me? How can this person help me get where I want to go? Right? I did this this morning. You don't know me this well yet, but my family knows that I can be a little bit of a papa bear. You know, like if I'm getting us on the road for vacation, you know what I mean? Kids are in the back. I have to pee. I'm like, wait till tomorrow, right? <laughs> like we're, we got somewhere to be. 
You know, and I was doing that this morning because we have someone coming to look at our house this afternoon and we won't be home before then. So you parents are thinking, I'm crazy right now. You're thinking, you know, I had to get my family, we had to get our family together. We had to leave the house in a condition for someone to see it. And it was a little bit stressful. And what was Phil doing? Papa Bear. Like, let's get out of here on time. Let's this, 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 this. You know, and, uh, you know, I didn't treat my wife the very best way I could have. I didn't treat my kids the very best way I could have. Probably, I probably sucked at it. Um, but the reason was, is, is I had this like goal in mind as I do so many times and that goal became more important to me, became most important to me. But I missed something really important. This is tempting for all of us as leaders. Do you know you're a leader? We're all leaders. Some of you are leaders at work. Some of you are leaders at church. Um, you're leading your children. Um, you're influencing your friends. There's a sense in which we're all leaders but it's a challenge for leaders to be able to, to keep a vision and goals in mind, but to, to see people as more valuable than just how they, can, how they contribute to that vision or how they contribute to those goals. Pastors in particular really struggle with this. There's several podcasts I listen to every week, and I was listening to one um, two weeks ago of a pastor, very influential pastor, very large church, who had this huge like wake-up call you know, when all the staff around him were saying, you know what, you're a great preacher, we really like you, but sometimes we just feel like you don't know us. Sometimes we just really feel like, you know, like you just want us for what we do. You know, and he had this huge wake-up call. You know, just balance and leadership and, and, and loving and knowing people. Um, and pastors can really struggle with that. Churches can too. Do you know churches sometimes can put pastors on such a pedestal and have such expectations on a pastor that you forget that I need you just as much as you need me. Right? I've seen many pastors just completely fall off the wagon and stop in ministry because they're burned out because the churches didn't realize that they, he, pastors are people who need them too. Because it's very difficult for all of us to see past our needs and expectations to the needs and expectations of others. And if you and I don't learn how to walk out relationships in a Christ-like way, it will greatly limit our effectiveness as a church in the kingdom work. In the same way that if I don't know you, you're going to be tempted to see me as disingenuous. If you don't know your neighbors, they're going to be tempted to see you as disingenuous. If I stand up here and it's just pomp and circumstance, Pastor Phil, Pastor Phil, you know, you don't know me. I don't talk to you. I don't give you affirmation. I don't try to know. And I'm going to do my best, guys, but it's difficult. But at some point, if I just insulate myself, you're going to feel like, I don't know if I can listen to this guy. Your neighbors feel the same way about you. And so it's very important that we understand the balance there. And I think we can learn some things from the book of Philippians. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read Paul's introduction to Philippians. Paul writes this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all, making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day, in other words, from when they first met Paul and he was preaching the gospel until now when he's writing this letter, 
And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, that's God, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, God's grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So there's some stuff that we can identify. I mean, right away we're reading that and you're thinking, man, Paul really loves these people, right? Paul really cares about these people. He's, he's praising God in all of his prayers. He's yearning to be along with them. And so I want us to learn from the church at Philippi and from Paul a little bit about Christ-like community and being better together. The first thing I think we can learn is that we learn that time tests and grows love. Time tests and grows love. So here's the context, all right? Paul's writing this letter to this, this ancient city, Philippi. It still exists to this day. It's called Philippoi, and it's a city in northern Greece. Um, this is probably the first city, the first location in all of Europe to receive the gospel of Christ. Because Paul, we'll see in Acts chapter 16, Paul is actually on his way to Asia, and the Holy Spirit intervenes, God intervenes, Paul has a vision, and he changes course from going to Asia to going to Philippi. When he gets to Philippi, he goes down to the river. Remember we talked about how Jewish people would worship in a synagogue and sometimes they would worship at the river and Christians would later do the same things. They would meet sometimes in the synagogue and they would meet sometimes by the river. Well, Paul gets to the city, he goes down to the river and he meets this lady named Lydia who ends up being very influential and very supportive in his ministry. And she and her entire family give their lives to Christ and are baptized Sometime later, Paul goes back to the same river, and on his way, he gets approached by a demon-possessed girl. And this girl is just shouting out behind him, making all kinds of noise, and Paul turns around, and he casts the demon out. Well, here was the problem, okay? So this girl was possessed by a demon, and listen, demons don't know the future. But demons watch you and I, and they know what's going on, in our lives. So this demon through this girl would speak into other people's lives. She was like a fortune teller. Like she would tell people what's going on in their lives, you know, the future and stuff like that. And there was this demon in her. So when Paul cast out this demon, she lost that ability. She lost that power. She wasn't able to do it anymore. And her owners, because she was enslaved, her owners got very angry that Paul took away their money by healing this girl of this demon, and Paul gets locked up in prison. And we're going to pick up that story in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, if you want to turn there with me. About midnight, Paul and Silas, I have a son named Silas, a strong name, were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Just Guys, just put yourself in this story, right? You're in prison, this new guy shows up, Paul, 
And he and Silas are singing these hymns, and it's, it's like a hush has come over the place. Like they're just sitting there on these cement floors with these brick walls, and they're just listening to these two guys singing to God. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. We singed about that, sang about that. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. So here's what happens. If you're a Roman guard and your prisoners escape, they kill you, and it's not in a nice way, okay? So this Roman guard sees that the doors are open after, I don't know, the ground shook underneath him. He got up, you know, and he's just like, oh, man, right? So he pulls out his sword, figures he's going to have an easier death if he just does it himself, and he's getting ready to take his own life. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Who gets let out of prison and stays? <laughs> it's almost like Paul cared about this guy. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he, the guard, took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So this is the start of the church in Philippi, okay? These are the people that Paul is writing to. These are the people for whom Paul has all this affection. They have history together. They saw Paul get locked up in prison. They saw Paul get released from prison. They saw this Roman guard give his life to Christ and his whole family. These are the people that Paul is writing to. And isn't it interesting that Paul was, he was just on his way to Asia and God said, no, 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 no. I want you to go over here to these people who are going to lock you up in prison. <laughs> I'm going to work a miracle and then this city is going to experience revival. Isn't it awesome? And the, and the power of God and what God did brought them together. It kind of reminds me of four points. How did you get here? What brought you here? Were you invited? Did you drive by? Whatever it was, it was God's intention Amen. that you're here. And we're experiencing God in a powerful way. And that's just one of the things that's going to bring us closer together. Because the more we walk through life with people, the more Christ-like love and affection we're going to have for them. Here's the thing. If you're going to enter into relationships at church or anywhere, you have to take risks can I just go ahead and tell you that no relationship is safe except for one with Jesus? Because any other relationship you're going to have is going to be with a broken, imperfect person who without the grace of God would absolutely fail you all of the time. This is the nature of relationship. So here's the investment it's going to take from you. You have to be committed to four points, guys. 
If you want to be a part of a community that's nurturing and growing and helping you, you have to be here. You have to give here. You have to be a part of what's going on here. You don't have to be at Four Points. You can go to a church down the street. That's okay. But I think God brought you here. But it takes an investment. It takes getting up on Sunday. It takes coming here. It takes giving sacrificially. It takes signing up to volunteer for Pete's sake. It takes going to Haiti together to experience God and to do great things. Number two, you have to open yourself up to relationship. You can't isolate yourself. You can't have surfacy relationships and expect to have this kind of community. I knew a, la- a, girl, a lady once in church, and she really struggled to have relationships. And my wife used this illustration of, you know, like if, like if that, like that she was like living life, like she was standing outside the pool with her clothes on while everyone was swimming. You know, like if, if you want to be, have real life with people, you have to take the risks. You have to, you have to jump in the pool. You have to swim around with everyone. You know, in college ministry, we'd have dances sometimes. You know, and people would be out there, you know, just like, it was the kind of dancing you're not supposed to do in church, but I don't, we don't, we don't care about that. Um, and people were dancing, but there's always like this row of guys who just aren't dancing right? I'm, I'm one of those guys, but it's okay. I'm married. So, um, and they're just standing there like being creepy. You know, they're not shaking anything, but they're watching everybody else shaking. You know what I mean? I wonder why it never occurs to them. It's a little weird just to be like, oh yeah, I'm just, just watching, watching you all dance. Um, and sometimes I'd walk up line of guys and I'd be like, Hey boys, you're single, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to stay single if you don't go out here and talk to somebody. You have to take the risk, but it's worth it. And lastly, you have to take steps of faith alongside people. We really grow together as a community in Christ when we take risks as a church and you're a part of it. Because when God shows up, we all get to see it. We all get to celebrate it. We were all there together. So this is how you surround yourself with lasting community. This is how you have meaningful friendships that keep God at the center, which plays a major role in keeping you and I centered on God. When we're not committed to church, when we're not here in community, we're going to be tempted, guys, to to devalue other things. When you're not giving and tithing at church and being a part of what God's doing here, you're going to be tempted with your money to do all kinds of things. You probably shouldn't do some of them. But we keep each other centered on God. We keep each other looking at what God wants us to do. We expect God to do great things because we are better together. We're better together than we are alone. The second thing we learn in Philippians is that God's love completes us. God's love completes us. Here's what Paul said, and this is a great life Bible verse. Get this tattooed on your arm or forehead. I'll give you a dollar. I'll give you a dollar if you put it on your forehead. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Guys, friendships, like any relationship, are not always easy. We talked about that. Do you know why? Because relationships involve people. Humans are going to blow it. Humans are going to do the wrong thing. Humans are going to say the wrong thing. Humans are going to hurt you, offend you, lead you astray. It's the nature of humanity. Because we're all imperfect people. 
We're going to blow it up. Do you know that most people operate out of insecurity most of the time? We're so funny. We're comparing ourselves to people. We're like, man, I really wish I was so-and-so. Or I wish I had what so-and-so had. Do you know what they're thinking? I wish I had what so-and-so had. Guys, we are the blind leading the blind. People are fragile. People are insecure. If you want to learn something from me this morning and being in ministry for 20-some years, people are fragile. People are insecure. Every person. And the one who walks around like this the most is the most fragile of all. The most fragile at all. Hurt people hurt people. The most hateful people you know hate themselves. Relationships are messy. Church is messy. Right? But I'd rather have a church that has drama from time to time than a church where nobody cares enough to have any drama ever. Right? Sometimes we have a little drama because we do care. That's why, that's why you know, spouses fight more. Because <laughs> we care about each other. There's more invested there. We're not giving up. People can give up on their marriages and they just stop relating to each other altogether. And the problem is our culture is beginning to be more like consumer-minded when it comes to church. Here's the product we're selling in American church. You walk in the building, we'll make it look nice, just like, you know, you, you pick your favorite restaurant because of how good it looks and stuff. We're going to make it look nice. You come in here, you know, the worship band is going to be perfect because we're going to tell them they can't make mistakes. And then your pastor is going to preach something that you're always going to applaud and not necessarily ever be mad at him or her for. And then, um, you know, you're going to tip in the bucket on your way out and then you can come consume this product next week. And so maybe you, uh, you bought something, but you weren't a part of something. And that is not God's intention when it comes to Christian community. So sometimes I look at churches and I think, I don't know if we're winning or losing when it comes to the kingdom work. And that has nothing to do with size, guys. I know pastors from ginormous churches are the most genuine men I know, right? So that's not, that's not it. Actually, sometimes it's smaller churches trying to be big that are the worst at this. That's a whole other sermon. I'm going to pull myself off of that. <laughs> so how do I stay in relationships when they're in a valley? Because they're all going to be in a valley sometimes. How do I stay plugged into a church when it gets rocky? Because all churches get rocky sometimes. Here's how. By trusting that God will complete the work that he started in us. My mom used to have this magnet on the fridge. It says, it said, I better read it and get it right. Be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. Have you seen this one? I don't know if it was a cat or like a fat cherub angel baby on this magnet. <laughs> but be patient. God isn't finished with me. But how true is that? How true is that? I have done so much premarital counseling. So much premarital counseling. And Corey and I love doing it. We do that together. But this is something that we always tell couples who are getting ready to be married. Guess what? You can't control your spouse. You can't. And don't marry someone expecting them to change because they probably will not change. God gives us the ability to change. God works in us. If God wasn't working in me, I would do the wrong thing all the time. There's an amount of grace. So listen, young people, don't marry an unbeliever. 
Don't date someone who doesn't know Jesus. You know why? Because God's not completing the work in them. They don't know him. The Holy Spirit's not in there. The Holy Spirit can't speak to someone that doesn't know him. But if you're a Christian, you know, Corey has this hope, and believe me, she has a lot of faith. (laughs) But she has this hope in these areas of my life that maybe aren't the best, and she can't control them, that the Holy Spirit is working to complete me. And maybe something that really frustrates her now, God in time is going to be working to change that. Because God changes the heart, right? Paul said in verse seven, we're all partakers of God's grace. And God is the one who completes the work in marriage, in church, in our relationships. God is the one who completes the work. So you know what that allows me to do? It allows me to do things like assume the best. What if when someone does something that upsets me, I assume the best instead of the worst? What if when something crazy happens at church, I don't just assume you're a crazy person. I just say, you know what? Maybe that wasn't the best decision, but maybe that wasn't their intention. What if we assume the best? If if God is completing the work, I can do that. If God is completing the work, sometimes I can even overlook an offense. Sometimes I don't even need to get mad about something that could make me mad. Sometimes I can forgive someone for something that hurt me. Listen, people get mad and they say and do stupid things. Most of the time, they don't really mean it. If you give it time... And you show people grace. And if they know Jesus, God will bring conviction and we can trust him to do that. We have to see people the way God sees them. That's something we can learn from this passage. But listen, sometimes we struggle with seeing people the way God sees them. The biggest issue is that we can't see ourselves the way God sees us. You can't walk around in self-condemnation and be a gracious person towards other people. The truth for you this morning might be that you need to accept that God loves you the way you are, that the Holy Spirit is working to complete a work in you, and God is patient. And maybe if you and I can do that, we can treat other people the same way. I had a vision one time. God was speaking to me, and this happens sometimes. But I just saw this picture, like... And some of you guys, maybe you work in construction, so you know what I'm talking about. But it was a steel erection building, like these beams, you know, and they hadn't put the walls on it yet. It was just a frame of this building. And sometimes you see these guys or girls working on these things, and they have a harness on that keeps them latched up. So when they're working on it, you know, if they fall off, it'll catch them. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Well, God showed me this picture of this, and I had one of these harnesses on, and I was just hanging on it. Like I was just sitting there hanging on it, swinging on it, just hanging on it. And God said, Phil, I've always got you. I'm not going to let you fall. I love you too much. I put a harness on you. You're safe. Now would you get up and help me build something? Would you get up and help build this building? When you and I know that we have a harness, that God's love for us is endless, that he's working to complete his work in us, then we don't have to swing on the harness. 
we can get up on the building and we can show that kind of love to other people and we can build his kingdom. The last thing we can learn from this passage is we can learn that real love grows with knowledge and discernment. Real love grows with knowledge and discernment. Here's what Paul said in verse eight. For God is my witness how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. So here's what Paul is talking about. Sometimes we can be at a church where we have this idea of like we just preach love. Love, 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 love. Right? This is what the world outside of the church is, is just saying. They have this idea of a utopia. Look, if we just all accept one another and we just all love each other and if we just all never tell anyone else that they're ever wrong, we will live in some utopian society. Let me, let me tell you why that is not true. Because people make dumb decisions. People make wrong decisions. If I felt like it would feel good for me to run out on 101 and get hit by a semi, you need to tell me that it doesn't feel good and I shouldn't go, right? When we make sinful decisions, guys, they hurt us. They hurt our lives. So the question is, do we love one another enough to speak the truth in love? That doesn't mean if you're walking down a road and you're making some decision that doesn't please God and isn't good for your life, that doesn't mean I just hammer down on you, just bap, bap, bap. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. In fact, I may not need to say a whole lot because a lot of times you already know what I think. You already know what my convictions are. So here's how I'm going to act towards you if I see you walking in a way. If you, if you don't know, I'll tell you what I think the truth is. But then I'm going to call you to talk about stuff that has nothing to do with your struggle. You know why? Because we still have common ground. Because I can still love you as a person. I don't have to agree with one or two or three or four areas of your life in order to keep the door open for relationship because at some point they may need that open door to walk through. And it's the Holy Spirit that does that in people's lives. We have to have knowledge and discernment. We can't just follow whoever's preaching at us. We have to check it with the word of God. We can't just approve what everyone tells us we need to approve of. We have to check it with the word of God. But we can love everyone we can have a relationship with anyone. Austin and I were hanging out a few weeks ago with a friend of mine who was an atheist. He was in the church. He went to a Christian university and was ridiculed out of his faith because he wasn't cool enough. Man, ah, frustrates me. And now he's done everything but the right thing but he still wants to go see a movie every once in a while with me. The door is open. I told him, I said, man, you need to come to Four Points. I don't believe, I don't care. You should come to Four Points. 
because I know and I trust that you guys would love him. Even if he sat here and for now didn't believe us, I believe that our love would show him the love of Jesus. We have to love people enough to help them live in the truth. Because we are better together. And we need to see one another the way that God sees us. We need to see the world the way that God sees the world. Because we are seeing just the very beginning of everything God is going to do in through this church. I feel it deep inside. So let's do something great because God wants to do it through us. And let's be the kind of community that people can be a part of and find Jesus. Let's not sweat the small stuff. Let's have eyes of grace, forgiveness. Let's assume the best. So here's some questions for us to think about in closing. How are you doing with allowing yourself to be known by others? Are you insulated? The only one who really knows what's going on in your life is you. It's not a safe place to be, and guys, listen, it's not a happy place to be either. Get to know some people. Be honest about your life. Be vulnerable. It's scary, but there's a reward for being vulnerable. How are you doing with allowing yourself to be known by others? How are you doing with seeing people the way God sees them? You may be here this morning and you're thinking of someone in particular. Guys, I'm not saying there's not times that a relationship is broken and that there's not something that you can do to fix it. Right? I could give you, I mean, some obvious examples. Somebody molested you when you were a kid. You need to forgive them. I don't know that you're going to be friends. It's not what I'm saying. But sometimes you and I like to put our foot down. We like to draw lines. A hurt person hurt us. They said something. They did something. We didn't like it. That was enough. That was enough. I'm putting my foot down. Let me ask you a question. What if Jesus did that to you? Let me just tell you the truth. Let me tell me the truth. That foot would have been down a long time ago. Just think of how many times we've been unfaithful to God. When it comes to my faithfulness to God and my love for Him, guys, I'm like a prostitute. My eyes go here and there and I want that and I want this and I'm unhappy about this and I'm unhappy about that. Anything in your life you put before God is adultery in your heart toward him. Has he ever put his foot down? Has God ever said enough is enough with you? So be wise, be discerning, get the counsel of others in these specific situations, but be slow to be a person who slams their foot down. And how are you doing with influencing your friends towards Jesus? 
Look, have fun. Enjoy life. God wants you to. But speak the truth in love. It's not loving to ignore when somebody is going down the wrong path. It's not loving to stand by as a bystander watching someone hurt themselves. But at some point you speak the truth, someone's like, I don't agree with you. I'm not going to do that. You say, okay. Call them up and talk about football. Call them up and talk about your favorite restaurant. Go get coffee. You don't have to cut people off to speak the truth in love. So here's the invitation today. Maybe you're that person when I said that sometimes we struggle Sometimes we struggle with believing that God is completing the work in other people because we don't believe that God is completing the work in us. If I asked you right now, how does God feel about you? You'd probably say, he loves me. But your heart would rebuff. Because deep inside, you're like, God doesn't like me. When I say God loves you, you assent to it intellectually. Yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But in your heart, you're just not sure. Let me speak words of clarity this morning. That no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, Jesus already knew every sin you would commit before he ever took it to the cross. And he chose you, he loves you, and he's with you. So maybe today you need to open your eyes to receive the love of God. Maybe today you're thinking of a person in your mind that you've put your foot down to. And there are appropriate times, guys, but in your heart, maybe the Spirit is saying, you know what? Maybe you've held on to that for too long. Call them. Pray for strength. Pray for wisdom. Pray for discernment. Crack the door. Give God an opportunity to work in that relationship. And lastly, let's not be afraid to be close. Let's not be afraid to draw in close to community because the more we do that and the more we point each other to Jesus, the more impact Four Points Church is going to have. Amen? Father, we thank you for your great love. We thank you for our community. God, I pray that you would complete the work that you're starting in us, even this morning. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen.